Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for the privilege of being your children, being in your kingdom. Thank you for your Holy Spirit living inside of us, guiding us daily, teaching us, helping us, sustaining us. And Lord, we thank you for your Spirit upon us, anointing us to speak as the oracles of God, guiding us, empowering us. And thank you for the Spirit upon everyone to teach and to illuminate. Grant everyone to have eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts open and receptive. And grant revelation of truth, Lord, to come and to lodge in the heart. Divine grace deposits and truth impartations. Answers to questions, solutions to problems, direction in life. And divine help is only you can give. And Lord, let everything be done in such a way today and tomorrow and always in our lives and every area. In such a way that you'd be the most seen, the most exalted, the most praised, the most glorified. Because you are worthy. We give you the praise and thanks in advance for your blessings and good things. Hallelujah. Amen. If you would turn with me to two openings this morning. First Samuel, the second chapter. And also Matthew, the 13th chapter. Two openings. 1 Samuel 2 and Matthew 13. Before I read these texts, let me preface this reading with these comments. I believe the Lord would allow me and help me to get out some things in the next few days, that to me are some of the most precious things he's ever given me, without a doubt. Some things that he has dealt with me and my spirit since I was uh, in my early teens. And uh, some things that have just, you know, as far as I'm concerned, they, they are a large part of what I am, what the Lord has worked in me to be. And I would that you'd believe God with me. Because, you know, the Word is so big and His things are so big. There's so many different ways you can go and so many, you know, different things you could touch on and camp on and time is limited. So, believe God with me for utterance for every time and every session. Amen. And if I do my part, you do your part. We know the Holy Ghost will do His part. He's faithful and And like we prayed, I believe that you can come away with, uh, and all of us, uh, come away with uh, uh, deposits and impartations that will change us. Help us to step up to a higher degree of Christ-likeness. Become more like Him and have more fruit like Him. In 1 Samuel, the second chapter, you know the story of how that Hannah wanted a child, and God was gracious to her. She conceived and bare Samuel, and how that she had told the Lord before she conceived that she would give uh, Samuel to to him. And so as soon as he was weaned, she brought him to Eli, the high priest, and left him there with Eli and his sons, the priests, in the temple. And so from the time he was just a very small child, he grew up as actually part of the priestly family, as part of Eli's family. 
And the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel 2, that verse, in verse 22, 1 Samuel 2, 22, says, Now Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did to all Israel, how they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. Now, to give you a little more background, not only were they doing this, but they were, well, well, I'm, I'm, let me just slow down a little bit. Go back to verse 12. Can I do that? Go back to verse 12. We've got, we got a little time, don't we? Verse 12. said, so the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. They knew not the Lord. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest's servant came while the flesh was in seething with a flesh hook in three, of three teeth in his hand. He struck it in the pan, kettle or cauldron or pot. All that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh and to all the Israelites that came there. Also before they burnt the fat, the priest's servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, Give flesh to roast for the priest. For he will not have sodden flesh of you, but raw. And if any man said to him, Let him not fail to burn the fat presently, and then take as much as your soul desires, then he would answer him, No, but you shall give it me now, and if not, I'll take it by force. Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord, for men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now just a couple of things before we go on reading. It seems, and you'll see as we go on, that Eli did know something about God and did know God. Uh, you know, maybe at this particular time he had grown cold, but he did know something about the things of God. But the Bible said his sons didn't know the Lord. They were sons of Belial, sons of the devil. And they stole the people's offerings, and they spurned the... Uh, in the ordinances of the Lord, how that they were supposed to burn the fat of the sacrifice right there on that day. And because of their actions, the people despised and abhorred the offering of the Lord. You know how people see offerings has largely to do with the ministry. How we treat it. How we present things. We're not supposed to demand that people give we're not supposed to beg that people give. Either one. And we're certainly not supposed to treat the Lord's offering with disrespect. You know, as, as parents, so will the children be. As pastors, so will the church be. As ministry, so will the laity be. The respect and honor of the congregation and the people of God for the things of God is a direct reflection of that of the honor that the ministry has for the things of God. And it's very rare that people in the church will have more respect for the things of God than the pastors do. Or that people in the laity will have more than the ministry. And anyway, the Bible said that their sin was great. They caused people to abhor the offering of the Lord. And the Bible says down in verse 22 that we just got through reading, Eli was very old and heard all that his sons did to all Israel. And they lay with the women that assembled at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. They were having relations with, with women that came to 
supposedly to worship God and offer sacrifice. And he said to them, Why do you such things? For I hear of your evil dealings by all this people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear. You make the Lord's people to transgress. If one man sin against another, the judge will judge him. But if a man sin against the Lord, who shall entreat for him? Notwithstanding, they hearken not to the voice of their father, because the Lord would slay them. And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. And there came a man of God to Eli, and he said to him, Thus says the Lord, Did I plainly appear to the house of your father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Did I give unto the house of your father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, kick you at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel said, I said indeed that your house and the house of your father should walk before me forever, but now the Lord says, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now that last phrase is what I wanted to get to and what I want to talk about this morning. The Lord was talking to him about honor. And he said that he, Eli, had honored his sons above God. And they had dishonored his offerings and his statutes and his ordinances. They had despised. And he made this great statement that is just as true and just as powerful today as it ever was. He said to him, those that honor me, I will honor. And those that despise me will be, you could say will be despised. Or will be lightly esteemed. Because it has the same connotation. The honor of God is one of the greatest subjects I know of. And like I said, it's, uh, it's something that he began dealing with me about in my early teens. And he allowed me to be in situations where I would learn characteristics and qualities of honor. And I didn't know how big of a thing it was to him until I got in the ministry and began to see from the Word how big God is on honor. I mean, it is so important to him. And we live in a generation and in a society that knows precious little about it. In fact, our society and generation is still suffering much from the rebellion of the 50s and 60s. And there were, there were some things lost that just have not been restored. You have people that don't understand honor. They don't understand the concepts of honor. Have no qualms about regarding things as commonplace. And uh, treating people as common. And the, thing, the, the huge problem with that is the way you are is the way you are. If you are a certain way with people, 
you will also be that way with God. If you are a certain way with God, you will be that way with people. Individuals like to think sometimes that, well, you know, well, I, you know, maybe I don't have much respect and honor for people, but I honor God. Well, that's just not so. It's the same thing as saying, well, you know, I love God, but these people I have a problem with. We know from 1 John that that cannot be. If you say that you love God and you hate your brother and don't, don't show love towards your brother, you're a liar. Because love for God is shown in love for man. Well, the same thing is true in many areas. Respect for God, honor for God is shown in respect and honor for man, particularly his people and his representatives. But then the scripture says, honor all men. So, you know, I, looking back now, I can see that the Lord was working on me even in my early teens. I mean, I, was, I didn't even know it. You know, the Lord's leading you sometimes, and you don't realize it at all. You have to, sometimes years later, you look back and see that he was leading you and helping you and guiding you, because he knows the future. He knows what you're going to need. He knows what he wants to use you to do. And just as, a, you know, in a junior high, in the library, uh, I would be led to books about honor. I would be led to books, uh, you know, history and fiction about primitive tribes and warriors and their honor and kings and their honor. And then when I was, uh, well, actually prior to that, I was about 10 years old. And I used to get beat up at school a lot. <laughs> Maybe some of you did too, just don't want to admit it. But uh, I did. I mean, every other week I'd come in off the school bus with my nose busted and, and whimpering and carrying on, you know, when I was eight and nine and ten. And there was some other things involved. I won't go into it, but uh, just suffice it to say I got beat up several times. And my dad said, uh, he said, son, we're going to have to do something with you. And uh, so he and I joined a, a traditional karate school. He actually put me in it when I was ten. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you know anything about these things, but there are a lot of different uh, camps along this line. And uh, these guys, the guy that taught me, who started me when I was 10, he was trained by a direct descendant of Master Funakoshi from Okinawa. I don't know if you know anything about that, but that's the real article. We trained on cement floors with no pads. And, uh, I mean, the, they were very, very strict. I mean, even as a 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old, you couldn't, you know, I had to sit a certain way, uh, and I couldn't lean up against the wall. And, and if you were in an inappropriate stance or something, they'd come along and sweep your feet out from under you. Just, boom, you'd hit the floor, and you're supposed to say, Thank you, sir! <laughs> and I mean, get back up quick. If one of your instructors took the time to teach you and happened to point out to you that you were leaving yourself open by placing a real hard kick in your rib cage, then you fold up and when you straighten up you say, thank you, sir, because he showed you something. And uh, But there was something about that that they retained, you know, some of this has been lost in westernization of the, of the arts, 
but uh, they retain the honor of the ancients and the warrior code, and they grilled that in us. Let me give you an example. One time I was in a tournament, and uh, we were really going after it, and I finally got, I got a backhand in on this guy and just busted his face. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, his nose was busted. Well, that's what fighting's all about, you know. And, uh, but this is, the way, this is the way we did it. He is hurt, so the, the we, you might call him an umpire, uh, called for time. And so because he's hurt and he needs a chance to get his composure back, I go to the end of the ring and kneel down and give him a few minutes to clean himself up and to get back composed. And I don't watch him while he's hurting. And then when they say he's ready, then I get back up and we go at it again. But you never kick somebody when they were down. You never, you understand what I'm talking? Those kind of things, you were, if you did, you were dis, disrespectful. And you looked down on. But I'm just saying, you know, I had years and years of that kind of thing just grilled in me. Grilled in me. And didn't know why. I'm reading all these books about the honor of this one and the honor of that. And come to find out as I get into the word that honor comes from God. He is the originator of it. And the reason I'm beginning to talk about these things with you this morning, uh, I've worked with Brother Hagin, you know, for 16 years, I guess. And we've been traveling with him to all their Holy Ghost meetings and what have you, endeavoring to help any way we can. And he has said something constantly. I had it on my heart already. He said, if we want to see the greater move of the Spirit, we have to learn to reverence him. We have to learn to reverence Him. And that, I had that on my heart already, and I just, that just went off inside me a few years ago. And it's absolutely the truth. We must learn the honor of God. And we must learn to honor the Holy Ghost. We must learn to honor the anointing. Otherwise, there will be limitations on how much He'll manifest Himself to us. There's a principle here that you need to know about God. Remember Jesus said, don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Remember that? And don't cast your pearls before swine. What, what is he saying? Is he, he's not calling people names. He's not trying to you know, slander somebody, call them a pig or call them a dog. There's a principle here. Pigs do not appreciate pearls. Do they? You can, you know, you can give your pet pig a, a, a you know, $10,000 string of pearls and, or $100,000 or give him a gravel rock. He doesn't know the difference. He does not. That, that's what the word discretion means and discernment. Discretion and discernment has to do with knowing what's good What's bad? What's valuable? What's not valuable? Well, see, a pig doesn't have that where jewelry is concerned. Right? So what did he say? I mean, you know, you're getting that, but what did he say? Don't give the pearl to the pig. How many think we ought to follow the Lord's instructions? What does that mean? Go to the next example, the dog. 
Anybody in here have a dog? <laughs> we we have a dog. I, I always like big dogs. I mean, you know, back home, uh, you know, if you're a good old boy, you got a pickup and a rifle and a dog at least. <laughs> and I had a pickup and a rifle in the back and a Doberman that rode with me who watched my truck, you know. He would too. He was a, he was outstanding. <laughs> I had a friend of mine, we rode motorcycles together one day, and he said, I, I need an extra helmet. I said, well, just go down to my house and get one. I said, it's sitting there under the carport. And so he, he'd been to my house hundreds of times. He knows my dog. He plays Frisbee with him. So he goes down there, you know, to the house, and, and he sees the dog. The dog runs out. He pets the dog. The dog's happy to see him. He goes over to my motorcycle and starts to put his hand in the dog. Went, <laughs> and when he went like that, you backed off because he weighed about 100 pounds and he was just a mojo bad dog. So he said, man, your dog wouldn't let me have his helmet. And I just smiled and said, good dog, good dog. <laughs> but uh, I was, I, then, you know, we got a Rottweiler from my folks. and But my wife got a... Uh, uh, little Shih Tzu, you know, she's only about this big, and I never was big into little dogs, and, but you know, she's all right, you know, she's, she's not a big dog, but she's all the dog she can be, <laughs> and that's what counts, I'm going to know that's with humans, it's not how big a dog you are, it's how, if you're all the dog you can be, and she is, and I appreciate that about her. But anyway, maybe you think that your dog is uh, saved and spirit-filled. <laughs> but you know a dog's a dog, no matter what you might think. And, and you might say, well, you know, here, uh, Poochie, here's the Holy Bible. Holy. Holy. Here's a magazine. Not holy. Yeah, but he, he'd just soon chew the Bible <laughs> as the magazine. See, he does not discern holy. So what did the Lord say? Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. Don't do it. Don't cast your pearls before swine. I had the Lord say this to me a number of years ago in a time of prayer. And it just, you know, when he says things to you, it, just, it can be etched in you. You just never forget it. He said to me, I was praying quiet before him, and he said... Uh, Son, would you like to know how to increase your capacity to receive from me? Man, it didn't take me two seconds to answer that. I said, yes, sir. Yes, yes, and yes. He said this. He said, cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. Cultivate. Well, cultivate means it's not going to happen automatically. You're going to have to put forth some effort into it. Cultivate. Do you know if you don't put an effort into it, you'll become ungrateful. You have to put forth an effort every day to stir yourself up to be thankful for things that you'll otherwise take for granted. There's all, you know, I don't care if you've got 39 things wrong in your life. You've got a lot more things that's right. Amen. Right? Yes. And the, the problem, you know, faith is thankful. Unbelief is ungrateful. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, in healing school, worked in healing school for many years, and, and that's one of the big things we had to deal with. Uh, 
It's amazing. You know, a person can have something wrong with one finger. And just begin to focus on that finger. Something's wrong with my finger. My finger doesn't work right. I wish it worked right, but my finger, something's wrong with it. My finger's not right. Finger's not right. I, I wish it was. And then begin to look around. Well, Brother Jim's finger's just fine. Why is, what's wrong with mine? That's not fair, Lord. A lot of people's finger is fine. What's wrong with my finger? And you can focus in on that until you totally forget that you've got nine that work just fine. And ten toes and lungs are working and hearts are beating. And, you understand what I'm saying? You have to stir yourself up and put forth an effort to be thankful. Elsewise, the natural human process is to take things for granted, to be ungrateful. And that's a serious mistake. I mean, when you get up in the morning, you ought to thank God for the bed you slept on. Amen. 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 Stretch yourself and thank God for every body part. Take a deep breath and say, thank you, Lord. I do enjoy breathing. Thank you. Amen. Get up and put your feet on the floor. Thank Him for the floor. Right? I mean, and just every, cultivate it. Stir yourself up. Just let it be constantly coming out of your mouth. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. And even when the challenges and the problems come up, you say, well, thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to prove that your word works. (laughs) Another opportunity to demonstrate faith. That's how you count it all joy. Right? But the Lord said that to me. Cultivate a lifestyle of thanksgiving. And he said that to me in connection with my capacity being increased and enlarged to receive from him. Now, honestly, I didn't know, I didn't really see the connection between the two that much when he said that to me, like a lot of things you learn as you go. But as I, you know, got further revelation on different subjects, I began to see that the Lord is very, very big on faithfulness. And if you do not appreciate what he's given you, he's not interested in giving you more. In fact, if you don't honor and respect what he's given you, you stand to lose what you have. Remember what Jesus said, to him that has, shall more be given. To him that has not, be taken away, even that which he has. Well, see, the the context of that is that you appreciate and esteem what He's given you and you utilize it. You use it. Remember the story of the the talents? How that the one man, you know, hid his and and, uh, the others used theirs. They esteemed and used what God gave them. But when the Lord came back, He was unhappy with the one that hid it and didn't use it and took it from Him and gave it to the one that had ten. Right? That's, you know, sometimes people think that the Lord's not fair. In that some people just get revelation, get revelation, get revelation, get things, get things, get prosperity, get blessings. And other people seem like they don't. But the thing is, when the Lord finds somebody that appreciates His things, and the more He gives them, the more they appreciate it. What He does is keep enlarging them. Enlarged because here's somebody that appreciates it. Well, as such, you and I need to be the same way with other people. 
We are not to take the precious things that the Lord has given us and just try to push them off on somebody that doesn't want to hear it. You know, the proverb said, speak not in the ears of a fool. He'll despise your wisdom. And what's the problem with that? The Lord doesn't want people despising his things. It's a sin. It's It's grievous. His things are holy. They're so valuable, they should be treated like that. And so if you're talking to somebody about some of the valuable, precious things of God, and, and I don't mean now that, they, that they're not just coming down on it. I mean if you can tell that they don't really want to hear it, that it's not that big of a deal to them, you just cut it off. Unless the Lord just specifically tells you to do differently, you know from the Word if people are not esteeming it, just look for somebody else that does. He said here, those that honor me, I will honor. You think it's a good thing when the Lord honors you. But those that despise me will be lightly esteemed. Now let me give you a little definition or two here on this word despise because I learned something when I was studying this that I was not aware of. When you think of the word despise, we usually think of it in a stronger sense, in a limited sense to the way the word uses it. When you think of the word despise, you usually think of somebody that's just, you know, scorning something, spurning it. Strong. But listen to a number of these definitions of the word despise, both in the Old Testament and New Testament. One definition is to make light of, to disesteem, to regard as insignificant, to make nothing of. Are you getting the idea of what he's talking about? Despise is not just that you're disgusted with something. But according to the Bible definition, or the Bible use of despise, it's just that you don't appreciate it. The lack of honor and respect is despising. Go with me, why don't you, to uh, Matthew, where we were looking, Matthew the 13th chapter, where you're holding your place, I should say. I'll give you a couple of examples before we're through here about this concept of despising. Matthew 13 and the 44th verse. Matthew 13, 44, Jesus is teaching here. How many like to have some cassette tapes of Jesus teaching? Huh? I've already told you how to get some. All you got to do is read this on, on a cassette recorder. Put all the life into it. You know, be, just be led. And this is Jesus' teaching. Right? And you can play it in your car. Whatever. Jesus said, now listen to him just like you were sitting there. And he was teaching you that day. Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man has found, he hides 
and for joy thereof goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, who when he has found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. You know, the Lord is a great and a powerful God. If He so desired, He could do just a thing or two right now today and manifest Himself to the whole earth and shake the powers of heaven and earth in everybody's sight and nobody on the planet would doubt that He's God and everybody would fall down to show Him honor. But he doesn't do that. And he doesn't want to do that. He's letting the wheat grow up with the tares. And this, he, the, this process of selection is on the basis of faith. And faith is inseparable from honor. He is looking for people that when he gives his word through his human vessels... People hear it all the time, but there's some that'll, that'll hear it and go, that's the Word of God. That's what changes your life. And they will esteem it, and they will honor it, and to them, He opens their heart to understand, and to have faith, and to be saved, and to receive. To the others that hear it and go, ah, another preacher... That's all he needs, more preachers. And do not appreciate the word of life for what it is, then they are not given a heart to understand or faith to receive or to respond. Remember the Lord said, take heed what you hear. And then he also said in Luke, take heed how you hear. For the measure that you meet to it, that's what, in other words, let me paraphrase the degree of honor and faith and respect that you show it will determine the measure of life and blessing and revelation that you get out of it. But see, we're still talking about honor, aren't we? How you esteem what you hear. How you esteem His things. I know uh, years ago, this would have been in the 70s. Uh, I grew up in a Pentecostal background. Didn't know anything about the, the word of faith, so to speak. And uh, we got a hold of some tapes of Brother Copeland. Never forget it long as I live. Guy had kept trying, trying to get us to take some of the tapes home. We'd never, we didn't listen to tapes. Nobody we knew listened to tapes. Listen to tapes? Preaching tapes? I mean, that was such a foreign concept. <laughs> I mean, you listen to music tapes. Eight tracks and records, you know, but... <laughs> oh, no. But anyway, this friend was influential, and so they just kept on, kept on. You know, take a set of these home. So finally we did. Put one in, begin to listen to it. Didn't know Brother Copeland from anybody. But as I did... 
I was brought up with the respect for the Bible. Thank God for that. And a respect in a measure for the things of God. My grandma was Pentecostal and I knew that the Holy Ghost is real. And I knew that those things were real. But as I heard those things, I, I decided this is some of the most valuable thing I've ever heard. And so I began to get everything that this man had. Or Brother Copeland's. And I'd come in after work. Worked at a little shopping center. I was assistant manager over it. And I'd come in in our little mobile home. And I'd pile up on the couch with my Bible and my tape player and my pencil every night. Every night. And I look forward to that every day. When I'd get home, that's what I'm going to eat supper. And then I'm going to do that. I'd do that till it's time to go to bed. And I did that for month after month after month. And finally, uh, run out of Brother Copeland's tapes. I'd listen to them again and again. And this fellow said, well, I have some Brother Hagen tapes. I said, who's that? <laughs> and I knew I'm young, and I didn't want to get off. And I said, well, I know I like this guy. I don't know about this other guy. I'll just wait. He said, no, he's good too. And I said, well, I don't know. But thank God I listened to him and got stirred up. Finally wound up at Raymond. But I didn't know it, but the Lord was getting faith in me. Because he was about to give me direction to leave home, to answer the call, to go to school. And I'd have to have faith. Boy, did I didn't know how much faith I'd have to have. <laughs> but the Lord's good. He, he's, he knows the end from the beginning. He's getting you ready. And if you'll obey him, when something comes up, you'll always be ready. People are not ready because they didn't obey. Simple. If you will obey, you will always be ready. I said always be ready. I know I got some excellent training with Brother Hagen through the years, and still do. I mean, he, he doesn't believe in forewarning. <laughs> he doesn't believe in it. I mean, it's, I don't know at the time. He's called me. And you say, hey, what are you doing? So, well, I'm here studying. Well, I bet you need to. <laughs> you go ahead and take the service today. Well, it starts in five minutes. <laughs> yes, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I don't mean once. I don't mean twice. One of his favorite say, I used to go to the speaker's room every day before we'd get ready to go out. And I, if he told me once, he told me a thousand times. Be ready. Stay on ready. What did that mean? I mean, for the first several months, I thought, what does that mean? <laughs> be ready. What exactly, you know, does that be ready? Be re Well, it means be ready for anything. Anything. Be ready to sing. Be ready to pray. Be ready to cast out a devil. Be ready. Just be ready. I said, well, if I like that, well, then that, you don't like the Bible. Because it's the Word that says, be instant. What does that mean? What's instant? Right now. Tell me what instant is. If you're getting ready, you're not ready. What if you're just about ready? You're not ready. What's ready? <laughs> if they say, you ready to go? And you go, yeah, yeah, I got my... Things in my hand. Here we go. Out the door. That's ready. 
The reason I say this, a lot of folk don't know what ready is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just about. No, you, you're not ready. I will be in this minute. You're not ready. I'm getting ready. You're not ready. And now that can be a problem with the things of God. Remember the story of the uh, ten virgins? The foolish and the wise? Why were the wise called wise? Ready. Ready? Why were the foolish called foolish? They had to get ready. Right? Oh, well, we're about out of oil. We've got to run and get, we'll be right back. <laughs> I'm telling you, the Lord believes in ready. But don't let that scare you. All you've got to do is obey. Now, I won't, you know, be dishonest with you. There's been times in my life that I obeyed and I was ready. There's been other times I didn't and I wasn't. The Lord knows the future. He knows what's coming up. And if you'll listen to Him, He will have you ready. I know during those years of uh, helping at healing school, many a time in the middle of the night, I'd be awakened and the Lord would give me a message. Well, it's two o'clock. He'd give me a message. And I thought, well, I'm not, you know, I don't have a speaking engagement for another week or two here, whatever, but it's as far as I know. And so there's been many a time I'd get up. You know, you don't always want to do something right now. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But there's been times I'd get up, wash my face, sit down, get some things out, walk in the next morning, and at 9.30, I'm speaking behind a podium. Had no idea it would be. When they said, we want you to do this, and I'd say, ah, glory to God, got the notes right here. I'm ready. That's a good feeling. I've also been in the other place. <laughs> Don't laugh too hard now. Because <laughs> you know where you've been too. But I've been there. What, somebody, what do you do if you didn't obey? And you just rolled over and went back to sleep. What, what do you do? Then you ask for mercy. <laughs> I've been there more than once. More times I'd like to recount, but. What do you do? Then you go, oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, Lord. Uh, whew, you'd have had me ready if I'd listen. Have mercy, Lord. Have mercy on these people. <laughs> They're your people, Lord. <laughs> I know you want them to get something. Have mercy on them. Have mercy on me. But, and, and he's merciful, but he, he doesn't want you to just keep doing that. He wants you to learn. And I'm just simply saying, if you will obey always... You'll be ready, always. And I'm not just talking about, you know, I'm talking about ministering because that's what I do. But I don't care if you're an electrician. You know, you're about to leave the shop and the Lord deals with you. Go get those tools. You think, well, I'm not working on that. What I need to Just go get the tools, okay? So why doesn't he tell me that something else is going to break and I'll need that too? He doesn't want to. Because if he tells you get the tools, you know all you need to know if you're going to walk by faith. Right? You know, and we ought to live like this. Just, I mean, constantly, every detail of life, you know, I, if you'll not move too fast and stop and check your heart constantly, the Lord will be telling you a little thing. Get this. Don't forget that. Pick this up. Uh, write this down, you know. And if you'll do these things, you won't be caught off guard. 
And you'll be ready and you'll be prepared. The Lord doesn't want you to be unprepared. And that wasn't in my notes today, but that's, that's all right. But we were talking about he was preparing me and getting us ready to make the move to answer the call. Getting faith in our hearts from the tapes. Remember that? But the thing I was getting to is that there were other people that I knew in that same time frame that uh, heard some of these same materials. Some friends of mine, and I don't mean to sound derogatory, but if they have grown spiritually and and developed much past where they were in the mid-70s, I can't tell it. And why do you why do you say that? Well, it's this. Why did I get so much out of it, and others, and you got so much out of it, and other people did not? Why? Do you know what I'm talking about? That there's some folk. I mean, they had access to the same things. They heard some of the same things, but they're still at basically the same place they were years ago. They haven't grown. They haven't developed. They haven't made progress that you can really tell. What's what's the difference? The difference is in how you esteem it. How you esteem it. I know in healing school, the Lord dealt with me when I got there in 81 to not fill up my afternoons with a lot of things that I was to believe God for finances and and, and Phyllis had a job and, and uh, that she was to believe with me and, and that I was to give myself to healing school. And uh, so I was there every day on the front row and, and one day Brother Hagen said, we're going to open a healing center. We're going to build a building, open a healing center and we're going to train people to be uh, healing technicians. And when he said that, I thought, my, what an honor that would be. I mean, it just went off inside. I thought, what an honor that would be to be involved in that. And I looked around. I thought, well, probably everybody feels the same way. And I just kind of, you know, let it go because I figured, well, probably everybody, you know, and I'm, I'm a newcomer. I hadn't been here but just a little while. But because of the Lord's grace and mercy, when the thing opened up in 82, I was the first one there. And the Lord allowed me. And, and the reason I said that is years to come, I found out, you know, that when I stopped and turned around, I thought, well, probably everybody here feels that way. I found out the Lord said, no, they don't. They don't. Now, that was part of the direction and call for my life. I realized that. But the point is, people wonder why certain things don't seem to come to them or certain things always seem to pass over them. How do you esteem it? How do you see it? How do you value it? Do you honor it? Because if everything is just ho-hum, same old, same old, common, then it's not going to stop with you. It's not going to come to you. It's the people that reverence it, the people that value it, the people that treasure it. But the honor of God toward things in you is like a magnet that draws it to you. The things you respect, the things you revere, it'll open you up to it and it'll bring it to you. 
Do you see what we're talking about? It's so important. So important. I remember when the, uh, eventually we're going to get to talking about this, about the honoring the anointing. And uh, I ministered in healing school, like I said, for a number of years. And uh, we'd lay hands on the sick frequently. And Brother Hagin at one point came and said, I, one man can't do it all. And do you have healing school on your heart? And I said, I do. And he said, well, I want you to take it. And I'm going to be on the road and this and that. And so he laid hands on me at that time. And before that, I didn't have any tangible healing anointing that I knew of. I just laid hands on people uh, like the Word says. Believers lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Never sensed or felt anything. Sometimes I sensed the presence of God a little bit, but no tangible anointing. Well, after he laid hands on me, the next time I laid hands on the sick, I could sense something that wasn't there before. Now, it wasn't overwhelming, but it was, it was something that wasn't there. I believe it's a measure of that anointing that's on him. And uh, one day I was in the speaker's room before the ministry line, and I'm praying. And I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, teach me more about the anointing. I know that the stronger the anointing is, that's the, the better. It's the anointing that destroys the yoke. The stronger the anointing is, that's just the better. How, what part do I play? What can we do? I know a few things, but teach me more. What can I do to be a better vessel, to have a stronger anointing? And the Lord spoke to my heart, faithfulness. Well, I kept praying and asked him, he said again, faithfulness and stewardship. Faithfulness and stewardship. Then he said this to me. I didn't, I didn't think this up. I'd never thought about this. He said, all of my children receive an anointing from me when they're filled with the Spirit. An anointing upon them to be a witness for me. That's true, isn't it? Everybody. An anointing upon. He said, many of them have done nothing with that anointing. Why would they need more? And I saw what he's talking about. What's he telling me? Esteem what you have. Treasure it. Do everything you can with it. Utilize it. And what you don't do is you don't compare yourself to other people. You don't compare yourself to other people. You don't like Brother Hagin, uh, the Copelands, and Brother Roberts, whoever that's been in the ministry for years and years and have all a revelation, lawless revelation and all this anointing, and then you look at you and go, well, I, you know, <laughs> what have I got? That's how you lose what you got. So even that anointing that wasn't that strong on me, I mean, I studied about the anointing. I studied about laying on a hand. I'd preach on it. I'd talk about it. And I'd stand up there and, and, and talk about the anointing that's on me to minister to you. I mean, I, I esteemed it. Treasured it. And I'm telling you, to make a long story short, within the next ten years or so, that anointing increased and increased and increased and increased to the point there were times I couldn't stand up, literally, just could not stand up. It was so strong. Thank God for the anointing. Thank God for revelation. When God gives you revelation, you need to esteem it. You need to honor it. You need to go, wow, God... Thank you. Don't look at it and go, well, what is this compared to what they have? Come on, Lord. You gave me two teaspoons. They got a truckload. 
Yeah, but they didn't always have a truckload. Everybody starts out little and small. And what the Bible says, don't despise. What? They have, don't, don't despise. Don't lightly esteem. Don't fail to honor. It might not be much compared to somebody else, but it's what you got. Right? And the revelation. You know, that's, that's, I know that's one reason why the Lord has just continued to give me revelation, give me revelation. Because I've always, when He give me something to teach or whatever, I mean, I treat it like it's just as good as anything anybody's got. I don't mean that in an arrogant way. But you know what I'm talking about? You will not see me standing up here to teach you and go, well, you know, I got a few little things I'm going to throw at you. You probably already heard them. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It probably won't change your life, but. Oh no, I'm telling you, the things I'm going to give you will turn you inside out, will change your life, will put you in another realm. Hallelujah! That's what I'm telling you. And it's so. Because it's not the words of man, it is the Word of God. I esteem it that way. If you esteem it that way, it'll change you. It'll be that to you. Oh, thank God. Something how that two people can sit in the same meeting, side by side. One be changed totally. The other leave bored. And you do understand that people hear but don't hear. Oh, my word. You know, all of us have done it. But some people, bless the heart. You know, I've seen this. If you're going to develop and mature spiritually, you must develop powers of concentration. You must. You've got to learn to focus. You know, if somebody has to tell you something four times and you still don't have it, it's not because you're dumb. It's because you're distracted. You're not concentrating. You're not focusing. I didn't mean to say that, but I did. You know what I'm saying? When you focus on something, and you, you're giving it your all, it's so much easier to get it. And, you know, people have heard things and heard things and heard things, but it didn't register because they weren't listening to it like this is it. I've been in situations ministering with people one-on-one. And the Lord, I mean, speak to me while I'm talking to them. I don't mean I just got a witness. I mean a supernatural, even a spectacular manifestation. Well, I don't want to be a showman about it, so a lot of times I don't even say it. I just give it to them. And I've had people look at me like when I got through saying, I'm, I'm thinking, man, this is it. I mean, I'm excited about it. And they looked at me and thought, oh, okay. And you can tell it just... You want to say, hey, do you understand? God just gave that to us. That's the Lord. But they don't esteem it. They don't appreciate it. And that's why five years later they're still in the same mess. And the problem with that is when you get light and you don't walk in it, then you keep looking for the answer, but you've already been shown the answer. And so you're like this. Lord, please show me. What a, what is it? And if you just show me, I'd do it. Lord, whatever it is, just, just please let me see. 
and I'll do it. Because, see, he already showed you long ago, and you thought, oh, I don't know. But eventually, if you're going to get somewhere, you're going to have to go, this? Oh, this is it? That thing that's been in front of you, that thing you've been taking for granted, that thing you've been lightly esteeming, so many times, and Brother Hagin has said this for years, it's the truth, people are looking for the spectacular and all the while missing the supernatural. They're looking for some great big volcano blowing, earth moving, riding in the sky, something, right? And yet there's the answer. It was in you, it came up to you, but you didn't esteem it because it came through your wife or your husband. And that's just what they're that's just what they think. Or it came through your pastor. And you thought, oh, that's nice, Pastor, but <laughs> I don't know. We need to know God well enough to recognize him no matter who he's talking through. Amen. Even if it's somebody very close to us. I don't care if it's somebody off the street walks in and you never saw him before. And they say something, if it's really God, you and I ought to be able to recognize it. Because right. the same spirit that's in us. I know uh, some years ago, there was a certain brother, a minister, that was in there for Rama and uh, Miss uh, Patsy Beerman at the time, Caminetti now and myself, different ones were kind of working with this guy to help him. He, he had fallen, really messed up, messed up his life. Big time, getting into sin. And I mean, I, I won't go into details now, but I mean, he messed himself up. Really messed himself up. Did, I mean, did stuff some heathen don't think about. And uh, so anyway, I knew how far from God he was. I knew how off he was. But yet he had been used of God in times past. And uh, so we prayed with him and helped him with some things and what have you. And he was there around in the services trying to get built up. We went to a meeting and he was there. And uh, in the course of the meeting, he stands up and starts prophesying to me. And my first comment, my first thought was, <laughs> no. I mean, I know what this guy, I know where he's at. I know what he's been doing. You know, my first thought was, no, 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 no. You ought to sit down, you know. Don't be doing that. Then I closed my eyes and thought just now. I thought, wait, 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 wait. That's the Lord. And I'd open my eyes and go, no, it can't be. <laughs> then I think, wait a minute. Yeah, it is. It is. And I don't care who you are or how bad you've messed up. When you're forgiven, you're forgiven. Right? When you're clean, you're clean. As far as God was concerned, soon as he'd yield to him, he could use him. And I'd have missed something if I couldn't have got my eyes off the vessel at that moment and recognized God no matter who he's talking through. Right? And esteem what he's saying when he gives it to you. You know, there's many people have been given valuable things from God that would have changed their life, but their life has not been changed because they treated it of little value. They thought, well, I don't know. We'll just wait and see. When God says something to you, you need to grab hold of it. You need to clasp it to your chest. You need to go, this is precious. This is precious. 
thank you. And you don't forget it tomorrow. And you don't forget it the next day. And you treasure it. And you value it. Those are the people that will get things out of it. Hold your place here and go to 1 Thessalonians. I'm not going to keep you much longer. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. We read about the treasure that the man gave everything he had for. The pearl of great price. He found something that was more valuable to him than everything else that he had. So he honored it, sacrificed for it, and procured it. 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. Verse 12, Paul writing to these individuals. He said, 1 Thessalonians 2.12, That you would walk worthy of God who has called you to his kingdom and glory. And just a side thought here. The word glory is akin and similar to the word honor. And if you'll just attach those two in your thinking, it'll help you right now. The word honor means, you know, among other things, weighty. And if you know anything about the word glory, that's kind of what it means, heavy. And the word honor has to do with when you value something, you prize something, and it goes back to the ancient system of barter. Do you realize that they bought and sold in the marketplace with precious metals a lot of times? And they would have this uh, the scale. And if they say, well, how much does this cost? Well, it costs so many shekels. Well, they would have this weight and they'd sit it on one side and you'd have to pile the gold up there, silver, until it balanced that out. Well, if something's really, really valuable, what do you have to do? You have to put a lot of metal, a lot of gold on there to weigh that thing out. Right? Talents of gold, hundreds of pounds of gold for some things. Well, see, that's what he's talking about. And that's what we're talking about this morning is God's value system versus our value system. And I've prayed this for many years and I want to keep on praying it. God, Lord, help me to see things through your eyes. Lord, I want your values to be my values. Your priorities to be my priorities. Help me to see things and value things the way you do. If you, if you say it's valuable, help me to see it's value. If you say it's not valuable, help me to see it's not worth fooling with. He says here in 1 Thessalonians 2.13, For this cause... Also thank we God without ceasing. What's he thanking God for? Because when you received the word of God, which you heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually works also in you that believe. Here you see a tremendous key. Do you want Every time you hear the word, do you want it to work in you effectually and produce results in you and through you and get fruit out of it every time? Then what's the big key here? When you hear it, you don't just say, well, that's uh, Pastor George talking. Well, you know, that's that's Sister Terry talking. Well, that's that's Brother Copeland or Miss Gloria talking. 
Well, that's, that's Brother Keith talking to whoever. No, if it's the Word of God and you know the Spirit's involved, and you, you're there, what do, you, what do you need to open up your heart and say? God's talking. Do we believe it? God's talking. Well, if God's, I mean, if the Lord Jesus stood right here and said something to you personally, would you esteem it differently than when you go to church and hear the Word? Most people would, wouldn't they? And yet, do we believe God talks to us through our ministry gifts, by His Spirit as we read the Word, as we hear good materials? We need to believe God is talking to us. And if God's talking to us, we ought not be distracted, looking around, wiggling, thinking about lunch. I mean, if God is talking, God's talking. Right? And it's amazing if you'll just make tweak that adjustment in you, revelation will flow to you like water. You'll see things and get things you never thought about. Amen? Amen. I know, you know, I, I've listened to Brother Hagin probably as much as about anybody on the earth. I mean, I've listened to him in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, and listened to his videos and tapes when the sun went down. I had a great privilege one time, I'll just tell you this, they let me into the vault, the archives. <laughs> I mean, that's a privilege. And I took, you know, one of those big old, what, those one-inch tape things home, filled up half your room, you know, that's all they were on. And I watched those things till my eyes hurt. But what I'm saying is, I was there when some of the same people were there with me on different things, and they come up later with certain doctrines and certain things, and I'm thinking, weren't you there? Didn't you hear this? No, they didn't. And it's amazing to me that people hear what they want to hear. People have what I call selective hearing. I've had people come to me before and say, well, you know, I want to talk to you about what you said in that message. And they told me. And I said, well, no, I didn't say that. Yeah, you did. No, I don't think I said that. Yeah, I know you did. I was there. No, I don't think so. I, don't, I mean, I could have made a mistake and, you know, a tongue trip deal, but I, I don't think I said that. Yeah, I know you did. Well, we got a tape. Why don't you find it for me and come play it? See them, you know, the next day or so, and they go, I said, would you find it? Uh-huh. Well, what was it? Uh, well... Maybe you didn't exactly say it, but that's what you meant. <laughs> the people hear what they want to hear. They hear what they want to hear. I, it's amazing to me, I travel around to a lot of alumni from Rama, you know, as well as other places, and I, some of the pastors tell me what Brother Hagin has said and what he taught, and I'm sitting there thinking, uh-uh, I've heard him teach you against that. I've heard him teach you the opposite of that. Oh, yeah, but they fight you over it. But they didn't actually hear what was said. They heard what they wanted to hear. And then people hear it as the words of men. But when it's the Word of God, it's life-changing. I said it's life-changing. Well, I want you to believe with me. I mean, I got, I got some things in this area that I'd like to get out. I, it'd probably take a couple of months to get it out. But we, the Lord, will lead us and guide us. There are some things about what honor is. There's some things about what makes you honorable, what qualities and characteristics. There's some things about how to show honor to other people and to God. Some details, some practical things I'd like to get into as the Lord would allow us and lead us to.
Why don't you just say it out loud as an affirmation of your faith. Father, I esteem your things. I honor your things. Your words. Your spirit. Your anointing. Your gifts are the treasures above all treasures. More precious than silver and gold. Than jewels. Than houses and lands. Than anything are your precious things. Help me to see through your eyes. Help me to see, to think, to perceive like you do. Help me that your values become my values. That I honor what you honor and despise what you despise just like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.